All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. We're good. I think we released these in the afternoon. So good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us on a nice Wednesday afternoon here. Tim, my main man, where's burgers riding shotgun for dropping the gloves. How's it going, Tim? I'm good, John. How are we doing? I'm great. Were you a big shotgun caller back in high school when the boys were going to jump in the car? You'd come jumping out of school. Shotgun. And you I wasn't. Front seat. Only because I never, I would never think of it. Like other people would always think of it before I do. But the rules, like some people say, you have to be within eyesight of the car in order to call it. You can't just yep. call it from the kitchen or something. Agreed. So the rules change, but I would never. People were always quicker than me. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, were, you, I, were you a shotgun I just, caller? I was not. I was not. I didn't care where I sat. I just would go. Wherever I would go, and then I would make everybody's lives miserable because my legs were so long. So usually, just out of pity, I would get the shotgun. They'd be like, "Yes, you sit in the front because if you're in the back, it's not going to be fun." But man, we used to cram people in those cars for lunchtime lunch. You know, lunchtime lunch is, is, is that a thing? At lunchtime, we would jump in the car because not everybody had a car, and we go and get Mister Sub or go get some food. It was it was good times. Ah, when life was simple. Leave school during the school day. Yeah, you leave at lunch. You go pick up lunch somewhere. In high school? In high school, yeah. Oh, no. You're not allowed to leave. Oh, really? No. That's that's oh. dangerous, John. That's not safe. Oh, man. I was a just a rebel. No, everybody used to leave. We used to go to, like, Wendy's or Pizza Place or go get, like I said, Mr. Sub. Was we the 80s? No, this is the 2000s, early 90s. Yeah, man, Canada. I used to walk to school too. You believe that? And you probably got drove to school. School no, bus. I had a car, but oh, in grade nine you did. Uh, no, grade ten, ten, oh. eleven, twelve. Yeah, I worked in the summer. Wow, by myself. Wow, I was actually a cake eater. My dad bought me a car, and I'll be honest, I was very spoiled as a child. Um, yeah, he bought me a nice. Uh, I think it was that he liked cars and he liked buying cars. And he liked finding deals for cars that were in good shape. So I had a Volvo station wagon. Then I had a Chevy trailblazer. Then I had a Nissan pathfinder. Then I had a 
Oldsmobile Cutlass Touring Edition. Like I How just ran for the car. So many cars because I would get them, I would drive them, and he'd sell them. And then he'd find another deal and he'd buy a car and he'd sell them. So I so many cars, so many cars. A pickup truck, a Chevy Silverado with a sidestep. That was my favorite. I actually ended up inheriting that. That was the one that he let me keep. And I sold it when I went to the NHL and we had a kid. I had to sell it. I regret selling that vehicle. It was a two-seater. It was it was just a great truck. I regret selling it. Someone in Minneapolis is very happy right now. And I am sad because I don't have it. But anyways, moving on. There was a lot of potential playoff previews last night, Tim. It, w- it was a very um, high, high profile night for the NHL. There was a lot of big matchups. It was the Leafs and Bruins. It was the Penguins Rangers. It was the Hurricanes and the Tampa Bay Lightning. It was the Colorado Avalanche and the Calgary Flames. Like these are pretty primo matchups. And I'll say it across the board none of these games disappointed. All of these games were hard fought. The intensity was there. I think you learned a lot from some teams and there may be some other teams. There was a question mark. It's like, oh, maybe you aren't as good as I thought you were. So I just wanted to break down those games because this is the time of season where you, you know, it's, it's one thing to play a game in October and November. It's like, okay, Leafs, Bruins, they're completely different teams, March, April. So th- these games matter where you gauge yourself. It's a litmus test. You're like, okay, I'm probably going to see these guys in a couple of weeks in the playoffs. Let's send a message. Let's see where we stand. Let's go drop the puck, baby. And we'll start with the aforementioned Leafs Bruins. Now, this is the game where I ended up leaving. And there's a big question mark on the Boston Bruins right now for me. They came into this game. They were the hottest team in the NHL. Absolutely fine, flying. Everybody was scoring. Everything was going right. Their goaltending situation has solidified. Swayman's been playing well. Allmark has been playing really well. The defense has been doing good. Hampus Lindholm has just seamlessly woven into the team. He's been nothing but rave reviews at a Boston about him. What happened with Boston last night? Because the final score was six to four. It wasn't a six to four game. The Leafs controlled this game from start to finish. They came out just absolutely firing. Everything went in. Why did the Bruins look so sluggish? You think they would be up for a game like this? You're a Bruins insider, Tim. You pretty much built the TD North Arena. What is going on with Boston? Why did they have just this stumble? Yeah, this was a this was a hard game to watch. And to be honest, like from the first puck drop, the Bruins just didn't look right. They did get that first goal with Pasternak. Um, I think maybe Hall or Bergeron tipped that in. But yeah, they. They didn't look right, um, and it's one of those nights where, like, nothing seemed to go their way. Like, the the, the turnovers were early and often in that first and second period. Uh, the bounces were coming, the rebounds going uh, Toronto's way. Swayman didn't look right. It was probably the worst game they've played in at least a month. They've been on such a good tear lately. This is the worst one. This is a total dud for them. Um, I'm not sure that it, I'm drawing too much meaning from this just because – this is a team that we, we the Bruins tend to play well against. Like in and regular season is one thing, and and we all know what the Leafs have done in the postseason. On the flip side, though, I I almost don't want to say this. I always get nervous playing the Leafs. We've had them in the playoffs the last four years. I get nervous every time because one, they're a great team, and two, I feel like it's just it's a team you don't want to lose to, and it's not going to continue forever. Like we're not going to beat them in the playoffs forever. That's a hard thing for some Bruins fans to hear, and I think. You know, if I'm the Maple Leafs, I'm saying, hey, this is it. It's over now. This is our turn. So this is what the statement I think that Matthews and and Marner and crew are making last night. And they did a good job of doing that. 
Well, I, I think you nailed it when you said Marners and Matthews made a statement because a lot of the times when these two teams play, especially in the playoffs, Marner is non-existent. I mean, you know, we all know what happened last year in the playoffs. He completely disappeared. Matthews, you know, is a shell of his self in the playoffs. Usually he doesn't produce like he does in the regular season. So hopefully for a Toronto fan from a Toronto perspective, this is a sign of things to come. When you can go and play the Boston Bruins this close to the playoffs and you're getting points from Nylander and Tavares and Marner and Matthews, this is a good sign. Another good sign is they're not relying solely on them. First goal of the game, new face in town, Colin Blackwell, assisted by Spezza. That's a good sign. That's a really good sign for Toronto because it's been too long where they have just relied on those top four or five forwards. Now, when you look at their lineup, you can chip in. Willie Nylander's on the third line for Pete's sake. They have a more balanced attack. You can't just say, okay, blanket that first line and we're going to beat this team. You can't do that. You have production from up and down the lineup. This is the most balanced Toronto Maple Leafs team we've seen. I think they're very dangerous up front. Their back end is, is doable. It's workable. It's their goaltender that makes me nervous. You said Campbell's working his way back from injury. Mrazic got hurt last night. Eric Colgreen had to come in. He played well. I'm nervous about their goaltenders. If there is one Achilles heel for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and everybody knows it, everybody talks about it, it's their goaltenders. Their forwards will be fine. Their defenses, they, they will be good. Not great, good. It, it just scares me. When you get into a matchup and you need a save and you're looking at the goaltenders and you're going up against a Vasilevsky or a Shashirshkin or a Tristan Yari, or even last night when you're going up against the Boston Bruins, uh, the Bruins, I guess, are in the same ship as them. I, I would say those two are similar in the goaltending stance. But, man, I'm taking every other team in the Eastern Conference when, it's, when it comes to goaltenders, even a Freddie Anderson, uh, a Bobrovsky or a Spencer Knight. Everybody has substantially better goaltending than Toronto Maple Leafs. So, you know, we, we can talk about it until we're blue in the face. Until we get to the playoffs, we won't know how all these players react, but they did send a message. They said, listen, we're here. This is our season. And the Bruins looked a step behind. Maple Leafs looked fast. They were up 6-1, to one, Tim. Like they, the game was over. They got a couple garbage goals to, to make it look close. But when you're up 6-1 to one against the Boston Bruins this close to the playoffs, that sends a message to the Bruins and to your locker room, if you're playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, that hey, like these these guys, we can beat these guys. They're an easy easy team to beat. So, it's a good. It was a good game for the Leafs and for the Bruins. Boy, they got they got to go back to the drawing board. They did not look good. I don't know what happened. Maybe they played a hard fought game a couple of nights ago. I didn't check their schedule, but eh. someone's got to change it, Tim. Cassidy did say there's a roster changes coming, so I don't know what that means. We're gonna dress some of the guys who have been scratched, like. Uh, Bleed or Steen or Stanika or maybe Mike Riley comes in and Connor Clifton sits out. He made a turnover last night. Maybe just jumbling the lines. I don't know, but I think you're right. The Bruins need to do something here to shake things yeah, up. Yeah, because they're they're in the battle right now for the third place in the Atlantic Division. Like they're right there. They're two points behind Toronto. Last night was a big game for both of those teams. So again, do you want to be third place in the Atlantic and play Tampa Bay, or do you want to be first in the wild card and play? Carolina, I, it's just murderers role in this in this division. Anyone but no, Tampa. Anyone there was Tampa. no good answer. There was really no good answer. Yeah, because Toronto wins and now they're slotted in to play Tampa Bay. But it wouldn't surprise me if Tampa loses a couple games and the Atlantic Division is Florida, Toronto, Boston, and Tampa Bay is in the first wild card spot. Everybody is so close in this Eastern Conference. It's I don't know how it's going to end up. I really don't. All seven of these teams, Washington's locked in. 
and the eighth seed. That that's that's a given. They're eighth. The next seven, I don't know how it's going to finish up. Like I, I, it's going to be fun to watch down the stretch because today the Rangers are playing the Penguins. Tampa's playing Toronto. Three days from now, it could be completely on its head, and Florida's playing Boston, and or Florida's playing Toronto, and Tampa's playing Carolina. It's it's great. It's it's total chaos. I love it. Let's move on to the next game. Speaking of the Penguins, Rangers, another playoff preview. These two teams are locked in, like I just said, to play in the first round of the playoffs. Not a lot of love lost between these two teams. They've battled throughout the years. What did you think of this game, Tim? Yeah, this is another good one. Another one goal game. The Rangers won three to two. And I don't know, you know, Brian Boyle put him up early and he's obviously we're going to talk about underrated players or players outperforming their contracts. He was a PTO, so he's scoring in big games, which is great to see. I think this game was not really as close as the score indicates. The Rangers looked quicker. They looked uh, stronger. And I think I think if this was to be a playoff matchup, I think the Rangers win this in at the most six games. No kidding. You think the Rangers now wow, we're going to have to put some dough where me on these matchups because I'm excited for this one. It's funny how I get nervous for the Bruins by losing to Toronto. Mind you, they lost in a completely different way. I'm not so nervous about the Penguins for whatever reason. I know the Bruins have been there. None of those guys in the Bruins have won a Stanley Cup. These guys That's have a true. championship. Who Who's won a cup? In the Bruins? Yeah, Bergeron. I guess Marchand, they won in their first Bergeron. year, Marchand as well. Excuse me, I misspoke. Most of the Penguins have won a Stanley Cup. They have playoff pedigree. But also not true. You don't think Crosby, Gensel, Malkin, Carter, all these guys, Latang, have won cups? More than half the team? I said most. I didn't say more than half. What do you think most means? Um, a quarter. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> Brian Boyle. Has Boyle won a cup? I don't think he has. He's no. been in the playoffs a lot, though. I bet he's got a lot of games played in the playoffs. Never won a cup. All that aside, the Penguins don't make me as nervous as the Bruins do for whatever reason. I trust the Pittsburgh Penguins. I trust that they'll get back on their horse. And yes, the Rangers looked better. Yes, they outplayed them. It was only a 3-2 game. The Penguins were in it right up to the very end. It's not like they were getting just dominated like the Bruins were by the Leafs. This is going to be an exciting matchup. I do think if these two teams play in the playoffs, the Penguins will come out on top. I think they have the veteran leadership. They've been there before. They know how to win close games. They don't get frazzled. If it's going to be overtime in game three and you got to win that game, you got to go up two to one. Or if you're down two to nothing, you got to come back. I think they have the guts. They have the wherewithal. And they just have that, ugh, that veteran grit that the Rangers don't have quite just yet, and they will get that. The Rangers remind me of a young Leafs team where they're just starting to find their footing. They're getting used to being a top contender. Will they take that next step? Will they? Won't they take that next step? I don't think it's the Rangers' year this year. I think if these two teams play, like I just said, I think the Penguins will win. But the Rangers won last night. They looked good. I like myself some New York Rangers. They were buzzing. They're the younger team. Their legs are fresher. It was a good game. It was a really well-contested hockey game, and you can tell the teams don't like each other. It's, it's, it's there. They hate each other. There's lots of banging bodies. Now with Ryan Reeves interjected with the Rangers, it seems like they just get into it with every single team. It's fun to watch. It's a very fun game to watch. All right, let's, let's talk about another one. Arguably, going into this season, the two top teams in the Eastern Conference, when you're going to list things top to bottom, Florida Panthers has crept their way into the conversation, but the Hurricanes and the Tampa Bay Lightning had a pretty good game last night. Only game to go to overtime. What did you think of this one, Tim? Give us your breakdown. 
This is good too because they were alternating goals all night. Kane scored, Lightning scored. Kane scored, Lightning scored. Kane scored, Lightning scored, and then Stamkos had a power play goal in overtime to to win it. But again, this is a, like you just said, the teams that don't like each other that will hopefully we'll see get to battle it out in in the playoffs. And I think this is probably it's easy to think that these one of these two teams is one coming out of the East. Yeah, Tampa Bay. I feel like was a more dominant team in this game. They carried most of the play. The shots were totally lopsided for Tampa Bay. They outhit them. They outplayed them. They got more power plays. They went three for four in the power play. And in the playoffs, special teams win Stanley Cups. The special teams play such a big part of the playoffs. You don't get as many power plays. So when you do get one, you have to bury. And when you go three for four on the best penalty killing team in the league, which the Carolina Hurricanes are, that's pretty good if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. So that's something you need to keep an eye on. Did you see the hit? I, I didn't mention this. I think it happened Monday night that um, Lars Eller laid on Kaki Nemi from Carolina right at the end of the game. No. Everybody was up in arms. So he's out. Kaki Nemi's out. It was one second left in the game. They were up six to one, I think the score was. And Lars Eller just comes in and just buries Cocky and Emmy from Carolina and just explodes him. His knee bends the wrong way. It, it looks bad. He's out for the foreseeable future. Everybody was up in arms. Rod Brindamore, the, the game yeah. was over. Why would you do this? I'm on Lars Eller. I don't like Lars Eller. I personally don't like him as a, as a human being. That's just a relationship we have. I thought it was a fine hit. I thought it was a perfectly fine hit. If Carolina is going to try to enter the zone and try to score a goal, it's a six to one game. You're trying to, you know, bury us and make us look bad. If you're trying to do that and you curl up and try to look for the, the trailer, I'm, I'm sending you into next week. I don't care what you, what, what time it is. I don't care if there's zero seconds on the clock or 1.9 seconds on the clock. I loved what Lars Zeller did. He said, do you want to embarrass me in that situation? Carolina should have just taken the puck, brought it back into the neutral zone and just ran out the clock. But no, they want to be hot shots. They want to go in and pad their course. They want to get another shot. They want to get another goal. They want to embarrass the Washington, embarrass the Washington Capitals. And that's what you get. Lars Eller, come in and blow you up, and Cocky and Emmy is out. Just signs a big deal. Now he's gone. So it, I'm okay with the hit. Everybody on Carolina's side was like, well, the game was over. What are we doing? What are we doing? Keep your head up, man. That's a, that's the price you pay when you try to be a little, you know, pouring salt on the wounds of the Washington Capitals. So I know that that's a side note. So the Hurricanes are without cocky. I mean, what you probably hated that Tim hit Tim, didn't you? Yeah, I just watched it. It's, it's not a terrible hit in isolation, but like you said, five goal game, two seconds left. There's no reason to make that hit because he's he's not going to embarrass you. The time's going to run up before he even gets a pass off. Anyway, it's not like he's going to score the seventh of the game. It was just reckless that he knew exactly what he was doing. You're damn right he did, and I would do it again. The play they tried to score was before that, so they took a shot, and he gets the rebound. It comes around the boards, and Kakianemi's trying to get the puck to make another play. If there's only two seconds left, just let the puck go and escape to your goalie and congratulate him. He's trying to do more damage. I'm glad he buried him. Good. It's a clean hit. It was a great hit. Didn't hit his head. Completely shoulder to shoulder. It was it was a devastating hit, and Kakinemi is now out for the foreseeable future, rightfully so. That's what you get. You know, you play with fire and you get buried into next week. I loved it. I also love the Hurricanes Tampa Bay Lightning matchup. It solidified the fact that Tampa Bay is a much better team than the Carolina Hurricanes to me. Much? 
Much? Much better. Yep. I think Tampa Bay made really good moves at the deadline. They picked up two pieces that were needed. So like we talked about the last show, Tampa Bay looked like the better team. They have a better goaltender. They have better forwards. They have better defense. They're a better team. If these if these two teams meet up in the first or second round, I'm taking Tampa Bay in five. I, I just think they're a better team at this point. And yes, it was a 4-3 overtime win. I think Tampa Bay was the better team. And I think they established that there's a new pecking order in the East, my friend, and it's no longer Carolina at the top. I think Carolina made a mistake at this deadline, not going out and getting another asset and letting all these other teams just amass all these weapons. It was like a nuclear arms race and the Carolina hurricanes or the Carolina hurricanes went out and like got a squirt gun. It's like all these other guys are getting nukes and we're going to go out to get a squirt gun who maybe was a goal scorer when he came into the league, Max Stomey. I like Maxi. But he's not a Claude Giroux. He, he's not a, a Nick Paul and a Brendan Hagel who fill holes on your team that you need a third line checking line. You know, he's not a Ben Sherratt. He's not any of these guys. He, so <clears throat> a, a cop that goes to New York, uh, uh, big mistake by the Hurricanes. If you want to go for the Stanley Cup, why not go for it? You know, you're matching offer sheets from Montreal and making silly jokes on Twitter and like, I'm going to sign him for 0.84, whatever the stupid number was. And then you don't do anything at the deadline. It's like you're better good at you're good at Twitter, Carolina. Now you're going to be on the first round again. Congratulations, good for you guys. Wow, I didn't expect to go that route, Tim. And that got heated. I like Carolina too. I don't know. What's, what's what you, this really about, John? I don't want to get into it just yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the last game. This is the this is the two juggernauts in the West. And this is a typical West game. Two just big teams going at each other. Calgary's the big, big, bad Broad Street bullies. They come in, they punch you in the face, and they outskill you and they outwill you. Well, Colorado Avalanche had something else to say. They were playing with their best, best player, Nathan McKinnon, which we'll touch on a little bit, was out with an injury. Tell us about this game, Tim. Give us the breakdown of this game. <laughs> Yeah, uh, two to one game. This is a really close one. A low scoring, defensive minded game. Very, very physical. You get two goals from Nachuskin, the secondary scoring for the Avs stepping up with McKinnon being out. Um, yeah, and, and now the, the Avalanche have 100 points, extend their, their lead in the West. No one's touching them. Calgary's 12 points behind them. So they're, this is, this is their, this is their conference in case there was any doubt. How much weight do you put into this? Like, are, you, are we ready to say that the Avs are, are better than the Flames in a playoff matchup, or is this in, not quite there yet? Not quite there yet. It was it was a close game. Mind you, the Flames outshot them 45 to 30. So it's not like the Flames just got rolled on and were just completely dominated. It was a close game. Again, it goes down to the special teams. Five on five, these teams were, were even, 0-0. Colorado gets two power play goals. Calgary gets one power play goal. Colorado goes two for three. Calgary was one for five. So these things swing. These things, they go in ebbs and flows. If your power play's hot, you're going to do well. If your power play's cold, you're going to do cold. This could be a completely different game tomorrow if they play it again. This will be a fantastic seven-game series if it comes to it, which I think it will. This will be a seven-gamer. This will be a one where I'm watching every single game because they're both teams have just big physical teams. They get up and down the ice, and they just they're just fun to watch. I don't know. It, it was a good game. I caught a little bit of it. It just gets a little bit too late for me, Tim. You know, I, I can't stay up until 1 a.m. watching these stinking games all the time. I was hoping I was going to see a fight between Curtis McDermott and anybody on the Calgary Flames pretty much can chuck him. Never came to fruition. That's okay. 
There's always next game, but yeah, both goalies played well. Kempford played well. Markstrom played well. It was just, it was a good playoff atmosphere type game. No one was giving an inch. No one was taking an inch. Everybody tried. Tyler Toffoli, best pick up the deadline, gets a goal though. So I still think Calgary's my team. That's what I, I'll, I'll leave it with that. Colorado right now is good. Seven game series. I think Calgary takes them. I really do. This game did nothing to change my mind, even though Colorado won. Any other thing you want to talk about in this, Tim? Uh, no, no. It's a good matchup, though. It's a lot of fun to see those playoff previews all in one night. It is a lot of fun. You know what else is a lot of fun? Shaving my beard when it's a nice razor. Because sometimes when I buzz my beard, it's just painful. I get thick hairs. I get ingrown hairs. I get long hairs. And sometimes my buzzer can't do it. Not anymore. I got the Manscaped 2.0. Just an amazing razor. We are pairing up with them because we love that company. They're a good product. I use them. Tim uses them. And right now when you use promo code GLOVES20, that's it. Just GLOVES20. You're going to get 20% off and free shipping when you go to manscaped.com. So listen, after lighting a lamp and you hit the showers with the boys, you can use Manscaped's all-in-one skin and hair care kit that covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted all over your body. Now you can trust them with the rest of your body. I don't know. Join the 4 million men worldwide. Well, they want me to say something naughty. I'm not going to do it. So join the 4 million men who trust Manscaped by going on manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with promo code gloves20. Check it out. It's a, it's a fantastic grooming tool. I got one for my ears, a little one. I got the normal one, this the, the standard one. It's unbelievable. Tim, what are you smiling at? That little one is supposed to be for your nose hairs, not your ears. <laughs> oh, is that right? I use it for my ears. Well, it could work for your nose in as well. Because I get ear hairs and I just uh, right in there. When did that start? What age? Do I have that to look forward to? Or were you already hairy ears at age 30? Oh, man, I've been hairy forever. It's just it's just one of those things. I, I just ooze testosterone and hair just sprouts out of everywhere. But I think you're good, Tim. I think you'll be good for a long time. Which is, so. which is which is good. So, yeah. But anyways, back to Manscaped. Go there. Manscaped.com. Promo code GLOVES20. You get 20%. That's a lot. You get 20% off and free shipping. That's pretty much 25% off. That's that's a lot of do-re-mi for a good product, which they don't have to do that because they're already so good. I don't know why they're doing it. All right. Moving on. Max Lapierre had an interesting idea. Everybody's fretting about this salary cap. Gary Bettman mentioned that the cap will raise $1 million next year, which is a big deal to some. Some people are just so pressed with the cap. They have no money to spend whatsoever. So a million bucks can get you a veteran player, you know, a fourth line guy, a six or seven D man. Well, Max Lapierre had an idea to kind of ease the the weight of the, the cap issue. What was his idea tip? Yeah. He tweeted this out last night and this is, I'm going to basically read his tweet, but he said the NHL is trying to fix salary issues why not just give a discount to the teams who have successful drafts? If a player is signed as a free agent, he counts for 100% on the cap. If he's drafted in the first round, give a little percent discount. Second round, a bigger percent discount, et cetera, so forth down the line. So that players who are coming up through the system, who were drafted by your team, and especially later round players who are making an NHL roster, still get their money, but they count for a lesser percent of that against the cap, which I think is a good idea. What do you think? I like it. I think it's a good idea. I think it gives, like you said, a discount for a team for finding really good draft capital in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Now, things could get tricky 
when you sign a free agent from overseas or it's an undrafted free agent or when a drafted player gets traded, it's tricky, but I think you could do something with this framework. I know basketball has some sort of thing where if you draft a guy, you actually do the opposite. You pay them more. And so it entices them to stay. So it's a very interesting proposition. I, I, I do think it could work. And, and it pains me to say that because playing against Max Lapierre, I didn't like him, but this is a smart idea. I think if you did give an incentive for a, a, a player or a team to, to pay a guy more and it counts less against the salary cap, I, players would love this because they want more money in the system. I think the GMs would love it because they could spend more and it counts against the cap. The owners might not love it because they're at the end of the day spending more money. But if you're getting a winner, I don't know. It, it would really put a premium on drafting and scouting and doing your due diligence. Because if you can find a guy in the seventh round and he's a stud, that's where it gets tricky. You know, wh- how many contracts in? Cause if you get a, who's, who's a guy right now, who's like a seventh rounder, who's an absolute steal. There's probably a couple out there. Who's making a ton of money. I, I can't remember. Like what was Tuka Rask? You know what I mean? Second rounder. I think. Yeah. So just say you get a guy who's a seventh rounder. Just say it's Johnny Gaudreau. And you sign him for $10 million and that's worth only 50% of the cap. And you sign him for 10 years. I could see where it gets unfair pretty quick. And you find yeah. this, like, you know, I don't know, but it, I, I do see some merit there if they do want to explore the cap issue, but I don't know, just get rid of the cap altogether. But that would, that would solve everything. Let this makes me think spend. of like the, the teams in the last 10, 15 years who have been the best that have won the championships and all with homegrown talent, or mostly with homegrown talent, like the lightning, um, the Kings did it. The Blackhawks did it. Yeah, the the Penguins, and then you guys, other teams who I still had a lot of their homegrown guys, but a lot of uh, free agents as well. Like the, the Capitals come to mind, the Blues come to mind, and both of them. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe this separates the gap a little bit between you'd see more of those teams winning more cups because they're able to keep those guys under under contract longer and bring in more pieces of a deadline than someone else could. Yeah, without a doubt. And and speaking of the cap, Tim and I were throwing around the idea of which players now are just undervalued. You know, guys who do a lot for their team, get a lot of points, make a lot of saves, do whatever they need you to do, but they're not they're not paid very well comparable to what they bring to the table. Now, if this was football, they would hold out and demand a bigger contract. If this was basketball, they would just stop playing. And, and demand to be traded. If this was baseball, they would fake an injury and never be seen from again until they got more money. But this is hockey. No one complains in hockey. These guys just slog through. They go out there, they play their contract through, and then they hope for a better deal next time. So we're going we're gonna to maybe do top three, Tim. Guys who we think are underpaid and they're outplaying their contract. Who do you got on your list that you think is just a, a steal for the team that's paying them? Well, it's funny because we posted this on social media and we got, I'm not joking, hundreds of responses. It's really fun, some good conversation, <clears throat> some names I wasn't even thinking of where you're like, wait a minute, how is he's only making what? Like these guys are putting up point per game, making less than a couple million. Like it's, it's wild. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that are outperforming their contracts. And we uh, we excluded entry level players like obviously Adam Fox making 925 was outperforming. Jason Robertson in Dallas is a few others like that. I'm going to go uh, a few names come to mind. Do you want to go one for one, John? You want me to do all three? One for one's fine. Okay. All right. So I'm going to start with Troy Terry in Anaheim. 
Right now, he's got 31 goals, 54 points in 62 games. When the season ends, if he, if he keeps it up, I know he slowed down considerably from his hot start, but he might finish with 40 goals, 70 points, maybe something like 37, 65, something like that. But, John, he's making 1.45. This is the 35-plus goal scorer we're going to by the end of the year, making less than 2 million, like in less than one and a half. Um, so, yeah, I would say if you are thinking, looking around the league at guys who are outperforming their contract, Troy Terry's got to be at the top of the list. Yeah, he's up there. I, I'm going to go with a guy who does make a lot of money, a Jonathan Huberdo. Now, you, you look at a Jonathan Huberdo, he, he almost makes $6 million a year, 5.9. And you go, oh, yeah, that sounds good for a Jonathan Huberdo. Then you dig in a little bit and, and you get into the stats and you get into how good this guy is. In the last four years, he's played 272 games. He's gotten 324 points. That's 1.2 points per game. Comparable guys in that time frame, McDavid, Dreinsidel, Matthews, McKinnon, Gaudreau, Marner. Like that's the creme de la creme. Those guys are making 9, 10, 11, 12 million dollars. And Jonathan Huberto is making 5.9 million dollars. That's a that's a big, big gap. He's getting paid 128th in the league. So when you go on the list, 10, 50, 75, 100, 120, 128. That's Jonathan Huberto. He's the fifth highest paid guy on his team. Right now, he's second in points. He's a leading candidate for the MVP. He's leading his team to the Stanley Cup Finals, potentially. He's the best player on the best team in the NHL right now, and he makes $5.9 million a year. No one talks about him. It's amazing. It's honestly amazing. And he's on, he's on for one more one more year at 5.9. You don't think he's the best player? I do. I don't think that's right to say that no one talks about him. I think people are talking about him, but we talk about him. Yeah. We're the only, we're the only podcast that talks about him. He's never been brought up in any other show ever. I don't, I don't think so. Everybody talks about Barkov who makes 5.9, but next year he makes 10. So that's all I'm saying. All right. Who else you got? All right. Next is JT Miller. Now this guy is similar, uh, not similar to Huberdo, but similar in that he's putting up a lot of points. He's going on point on pace for about a hundred points. But what's interesting is that the points he puts up is like almost, I don't want to say this is a bold statement, but like almost like the least important thing that he does because he does everything in all situations. He's a leader. He's physical. He fights, he blocks shots. <laughs> he gets up and down the ice. And he's one of those guys that you can just put in any situation. You know, he's going to do well. End of the game. Anything. Um, and he's making 5.25, not to mention he's putting up all those points on top of it. So similar to Huberdeau, making you know less than $6 million for a guy that can do anything that he can put in anywhere in the lineup. And yeah, friend of the show, we'd like to have him back. So I think JT Miller is easily outperforming that 5.25. You could be making twice that. Well, twice is, is 11 million bucks. Let's, <laughs> he could be making a lot more. You're right. All right. I'm going to go with a guy. No one, I don't think anybody talks about much. When you think of the Colorado Avalanche, you think of all the sexy forwards. You know, they got the McKinnons, the Rantanens, the Caudries, the Landeskogs. And you think of all the sexy defensemen. You got the Taves, you got the Girards, you got the Jack Johnson. Do you think of the goalie, Darcy Kemper, Devin Taves? He's a guy who just steady as she goes, skilled defenseman, doesn't do anything that wrong. Ride shotgun with Kale McCarr, plays over 25 minutes a game, fourth highest paid defenseman on his team, on his team, Tim. 
He makes $4.1 million a year. He's almost a point per game defenseman. He's, he's just an unbelievably talented guy. He's the 83rd highest paid defenseman in the NHL. His comparables. Oh, he's, he's sandwiched between Dumoulin and Carlo Dumoulin and Carlo. Brendan Carlo has played 62 games this year. He's got three goals and 14 assists. Brendan Dumoulin has played 64 games. He has five goals and eight assists. Devin Taves has played 56 games. He has 12 goals and 37 assists. Dumoulin and Carlo play on good teams. They're not on dumpster wagons that don't score. Boston and Pittsburgh score lots of goals. So there's nothing to say there that they're like, well, they're on a bad team that doesn't score. No, Devin Taves is just really, really, really good. And he's really underpaid. The Colorado Avalanche have a steal in this guy. They got to sign for a few more years. So Devin Taves is right there. He's got to be the most underpaid defenseman in the NHL. 4.1, Tim. And he's playing over 25 minutes a game. And he's got almost a point per game. And no one talks about him. Boy, oh boy. What a luxury. Do you remember what he was traded for from the Islanders? I don't know who he was traded for, but I do remember the trade. Yeah. It was two second rounders. That's what they, that's what they got him for. Whammy the Islanders. Good trade. I was actually just reading something or watching something and they did a breakdown of all the first round draft picks traded over the last, I think five to 10 years. And all those of those first rounders, the amount who made it, the amount who played over 500 games, the amount who played over 300 games or 200 games. It's amazing how many guys don't make it. And so the the idea that everybody's tied to their first round pick, the idea that you have to hold on to your first rounders, I, I think people are thinking the wrong way. Trade your draft picks. Trade everything. Get NHL-ready players. Get guys who are, unless you have a lottery pick, unless you're in the top 10, if you're after 10 or 15, I would trade my first-round pick for a guy who's an NHL talent all day. That's why the Tampa Bay Lightning, when they get Brendan Hagel, everybody's, well, I paid a heavy price. Those two first-rounders will be post-25. The chances of that pick doing anything in the NHL, slim to none. Slim to none. Anywhere near what Brendan Hagel can do, very, very rare. So uh, I found that really interesting. And then a second rounder, whew, then it gets even worse for there. I got traded for a fifth rounder. Woof, Tim. That guy probably is just dead in a ditch somewhere. Worth nothing. But anyway, sorry. Devin Tapes. <laughs> okay, my, my third one. This is a little bit of a, a deeper reach into the candy bowl, but Jesper Bratt. I think is a guy, John, if you had a guess, he's got 61 games he's played. How many points do you think he has? 26. He's got 65. He's got 65 points in 61 games. And he's not even playing in the top top line with my guy, Jack Hughes. He's playing the second line. He's got Tatar and um, uh, and, and Heeshear and the, and the centering that line. I'm sure he's on the first power play unit. He's playing really, really well, and he's only making 2.75. No one's talking about him. Like him and Troy Terry, for example, you're going to get basically a point per game from both of them combined or making less than $4 million. It's just insane to me. He's a name that not many people are talking about. He's quietly under the radar having a great season. He's never had more than like 35 points in a season before. Um, and given there have been some shortened season the last few years, but now he's better than a point per game in the first time in his career. So Jesper Brad is an easy pick for me as a player, well outperforming his contract. I never even thought that. That's uh, uh, yeah, that, that's a good one. I'm going to go with another guy who's just 
he's taken the NHL by storm this year. He's good. He's a goaltender for the New York Rangers. Another MVP candidate, Igor Shostryshkin. The guy leads the NHL in every category with goaltenders. The Rangers cannot win without him. Anytime they play Gorgiev, they lose. Every time they play Shostryshkin, they win. We saw last night with the Penguins. He shines. He's a good He's a good hockey player. I think he makes 5.25 a year, which is a lot for a goaltender. But when you're the MVP candidate and you're willing your team to victories and you're that young and you just do everything you want a goaltender to do and more, how can you not be under, like, how can you be overvalued? You, you know, you look at around the league, the guys who are making 10 million bucks as goaltenders, Carey Price, Bobrovsky makes a lot of money. This guy's making half of what they make. And he's so incredibly good. He's doing things and putting up stats that we've never seen before in the NHL. And it's just mind boggling. It really is. And the Rangers are a good team. They're not that good. That's my pick. And there's more. There's the Mangiapane, the Cadres, the Brats, Brats, excuse me. So there's a lot more. Speaking of Brats, you know where you can get a good Brat, Tim? Where? On DoorDash. Especially today. It's freezing rain here in Michigan. There's a weather advisory. They tell you not to go outside. Guess what? I'm going to order DoorDash and I'm going to make my delivery guy risk his life to bring me a brat. That's the luxury of DoorDash. You can risk your delivery driver's life so he can bring you food and you can be a fat slob and eat it whenever you want. And you could potentially kill somebody. It's a win-win. So go to DoorDash, use promo code GLOVESDD if you're in Canada. Gloves DDUS, if you're in the USA, you get 25% off, you get free delivery. It's a beautiful deal. You can get brats, you can get beer, you can have yourself a good old fashioned Wisconsin party. When I was in college, I would get a bunch of brats, I would get a bunch of bush light, I would pour the bush light into a big pot, I would boil the brats all day. Come two, three, four o'clock, I would take them out of the boil, put them on the grill, grill them up, get a nice crisp on them. Oh, it's delicious. Do that. Wait. It's what you're boiling brats in the bush light yeah yeah and what does that do for you it infuses the bush light flavor into the broth it's beer brats delicious absolutely delicious or beer can chicken whatever you want stick the can on the barbecue open up the bird's legs put some seasoning in take the can pop the top drink half of it put some seasoning in the beer some salt some peppers some lemon some other stuff stick down on the grill stick the bird on the can, shove the can up the bird's woohoo. And then you close the lid, put it on like 350, 400, let it cook for hmm, half an hour. You got a whole bird and it just, and it keeps it moist because the grill boils the beer and it infuses it from inside out. It's, it's a delicious way to cook a bird. You've never done that, Tim. I've never done it. I've heard that term before. You need to have a party and have me over so I can try these foods. You moved, so that ship has absolutely sailed. You're you're in the south now, where they do lots of barbecue stuff. But anyways, DoorDash promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada, GlovesDD US if you're in the US of A. All right, let's do some quick hits, Tim. Nathan McKinnon. We 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 talked about the Avs getting a big win over the Flames last night without him. The reason he's not there is because he injured his hand. Most likely, although not officially, but everyone knows he injured it during a fight the other night. Did you see this? I did. It was in response yeah. to a hit by Dumba laid on Rantanen. Yes. Yep. And and McKinnon wasted no time, jumped right on Dumba, won the fight, too. He's a strong, strong guy. Um, now he's got a hand injury. We don't know exactly how bad it is, but the coach was asked how, like the level of the degree, and he said, quote, unquote, high. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if this is a day-to-day thing, week-to-week. He's not back yet. 
I don't What do you think? Is it okay for a superstar like this to fight? This is just a fluke accident or should this close to the playoff? Should he be avoiding this kind of situation? That's uh, it's the question for our ages to catch 22. You want him doing it, right? Because it sends a message. He's your, he's your leader, but you also don't want him to do it. So, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And uh, ideally you don't want him fighting, but you know, hockey's a physical game. Injuries happen. I think at the end of the day, He's going to follow his instincts. He's going to stick up for his teammate and he's going to do what he has to do. And yes, you don't want him to get hurt, but say la vie. What are you going to do? I think it was a good thing that he did that. It was a guttural reaction. He saw something he didn't like and he wanted to take care of business and he did it himself rather than wait for a couple more shifts later. Maybe someone else goes after Dumba. It was a good play. I think he'll be back. Hands are tricky. When you fight, there's called a boxer's break. It's on your pinky on the outside of your hand. Like mine is perpetually swollen right now. And it's been like that my whole career. I I don't know what happened, but it's not that bad. You can break little bones in your hand and they're not that bad, but hopefully he didn't break a knuckle or something, but I guess, I guess we'll see more down the line. We'll hear more down the line, but yeah, (sighs) good and bad for Nathan McKinnon. Right. He did win the fight though. He was chucking. He was those, those punches had intent and they were meant to hurt. Did you see uh, Delorier's fight last night? That was a good fight as well. He's a good, he's my favorite fighter in the NHL. Hands down. Even Nick Seller, the guy he fought, he's a good little fighter too. From, from Former Minnesota Wild. Chucks him just as good as anybody else. But yeah, here's my issue. We talked about this before the show came on. Visors have ruined fighting for forever. They Fighting will never be the same because of visors. Everybody's a little gun shy. Most guys are. And if you're not gun shy, your hands are just ripped up to shreds. And then in that fight, Nikki, he gets cut, but it's because his helmet gets popped up a little bit and the guy punches his helmet and the visor cuts the bridge of his nose. So when you look at the fight after the post game, Nikki's all bloodied and Nick, Nick Seller goes to the box. Nikki's he's won the fight, but Nikki won that fight. He bashed him with three or four, you know, bombs right down the pipe. So uh, the visors, uh, I had an idea. We talked about this actually in a, in a playoff competition committee when I was in the NHL, because the, the visors were being enacted. There was a grandfather rule. If you didn't have a visor, you didn't have to wear it. So I didn't wear one, but uh, everybody coming into the league had to wear a visor. So you'd see these young fighters coming up and they would have these visors on. And you're like, gosh, I don't want to fight this guy because I'm just going to just cut my hands to shreds. So I had an idea where you would have a visor, but you could slide it off. And so if you got into a fight before the altercation, and yes, this would only work if, if it was a, I don't want to say a staged, but if you had some time to take the visor off, you could have the wherewithal, drop the gloves, drop the sticks, square up, and you could pull the visor forward and it would pop off and you just throw it aside because it's dangerous. Visors cut guys. We saw Curtis Gabriel, friend of the show. He got into a fight a couple of weeks ago in the AHL. It looked like he was stabbed a hundred times in the face. He was bleeding everywhere. It was just amazing the amount of blood coming out of his face. And it was because of the visor. Same thing with Nick Delorier. If he doesn't have that visor, he doesn't get cut. There's no blood. Everybody's safer. So, and you're still not going to get a concussion because your helmet's still on. So I think that should be something or the visors ruin fighting. They absolutely ruin fighting. But anyways, what else is going on, Tim? How did that idea get received, by the way? Your idea to have the removable visor. They took it. We were going to vote on it potentially, but then it just never got voted on and we just got into different topics. But yeah, that's the stuff people talk about in a competition committee. Goaltenders have their spiel. The players have their spiel, stick length, visors, this and that. And that was a big deal because visors, 
none of the players wanted them to be mandatory. Like the league really wanted it to happen because they'd done it in the AHL, they'd done it in the OHL, they'd done it in all these leagues. And the natural progression was the NHL. None of the players wanted it. Like it was, it was a resounding like 95% vote saying we don't want to have mandatory visors, but the NHL did it anyway. So what are you going to do? Um, yeah. So cool little stat last night, Sidney Crosby, who's officially, he's got 70 points in 56 games this season. He's going to average a point per game for the 17th time in his career, um, which puts him in, you know, he's already in the league company, but how is 17 Gretzky's got 19. There's a chance that he passes that record. It's a really cool little moment for him to have that be in that company for that productivity over time consistency. Yeah. He's a stud and he's going to go down as one of the best ever. Like he will be in the category of the, the Gretzky's the house, these guys, Crosby will eat in that era, the, the Lemuse, the oars, it'll be Sidney Crosby in that group. He's, he's that good of a player. Generational he, talent. We talked about uh, Mount Rushmore a few years ago. Does he, does he displace anyone? Yeah. No, not yet. No, I don't think he does. No. Cause like you got to go Lemieux over him. You got to go Gretzky over him. You got to go how over him. And then Bobby Orr is in there too. He yeah. changed the game for a defenseman. So it's tough to argue Crosby in there. The one guy it's tough because of sentimental value. It's like the one guy you could bump is Gordy. Right. But he, he was just such a dynamic player where he did everything. He fought, he hit, he scored, he played for so long. The guy did everything for so long. So it's like you're never going to bump Wayne. And Mario was arguably the most talented player to ever lace him up, barring his back and you know cancer diagnosis. He would have been, hands down, the best player ever. So that's, that's a debatable topic. So good for Crosby. The Minnesota Wild won again last night against the Flyers, who have officially been eliminated from the playoffs. Are they? This is seven in a row for them. Are they? What are you seeing? Are you excited about this? Are they heating up at the right time, or is this still? Are they still not among the creme de la creme in the West? Well, they are just feast or famine. This team, they ever win ten in a row or lose ten in a row. You don't know what to take with the Minnesota Wild. I was all in on them earlier this year, and now they just they, they went on a huge slump. Now they're yeah one seven in a row. They're climbing trying to get Colorado they've distanced themselves from Nashville are they in the same category as Colorado and Calgary at this point maybe you know maybe I don't think they're quite there just yet but man confidence is a is a heck of a thing because they're the same team it's not like they're dressing different players they lose six in a row with the same team and now you win seven in a row with the same team and they're beating good competition so they're pesky out They'll be a tough out, whoever they play. They beat Colorado last week. You know, they're beating good teams. It'll be interesting. I, I still think it's Colorado-Calgary at this point. They haven't done enough to change my mind. But, yeah, they're, they're doing a lot. So, good for Minnesota. I like myself some wild. Speaking of liking stuff, Tim, how embarrassed were you when the Edmonton Oilers just took the Arizona Coyotes behind the woodshed and gave them the what's what and beat them 6-1, to one, and you beat you picked Coyotes? To, to take that game on points bet. Is there any shame in your game? Were you, were you disappointed? Were you embarrassed for all the fans that lost their, their retirement savings? I'm sorry. What is this in reference to? <laughs> oh, points bet, Tim. You're a gambling <laughs> guru. You're a gambling uh, guru. Come on. What do we yeah. we, gotta, we need to get back on the horse. Who are we picking tonight or tomorrow? Let's pick some games. Let's do it. 
if any listeners want to lend me some money, I could really use it. You could. Um, <laughs> I don't know. To be honest, I don't really like any of the games tonight. The teams that I do like are playing on the road. Like you got the Rangers against the Red Wings. I kind of want to pick the Red Wings. They're playing at no, home. No, you don't. Rangers. No. The Rangers you... had a tough game last night. They won. They barely squeaked by. I see. This is oh – uh, I don't like any of the games. That's what I'm saying. Like Jets at Sabres, who do you pick there? Kings at Oilers, who do you pick there? Blues at Canucks, like the better teams traveling on the road. Sharks at Coyotes, Vegas sets Kraken. You got the better team on the road in all seven games tonight. Oh, all right. I will take the reins for this one. I'm going to do all six games. I guarantee you I win four of them. You can take it to the bank. We'll start with the Jets and the Sabres. The Sabres have been playing really good hockey. They've been on a winning streak, a point streak, unheard of in Buffalo for years, five in a row. I like the Jets. I really do. I think Connor Hellebuck has been playing good of late. All these guys have come together, either even with the loss of Cop. I like the Jets. Take the Jets on that one. And then you're going to hammer the Rangers. You got to take the Rangers. The Red Wings are they're a shell of a team that they were earlier in the year. They lost eleven to two the other night. They don't know what's going on. What, Tim? Did you see the report? I think Frank Saravelli tweeted it out that the coach Blashill Blazehill has lost the confidence of the younger players. And there's there's some tension going on there. There's a good chance that he gets let go. If not during the season, certainly in the offseason. Always a good thing for gambling to know that. So I'm definitely going to take the Rangers on this one. Moving on to the Oilers and the Kings. I like the Kings. I do. I think the Kings are a good team. They're in that playoff hunt. This is a big playoff game with big playoff implications. I'm going to take the LA Kings. Are the Kings at home? No. I'm still taking the Kings. Blues, Canucks, I'm going to take Vancouver. Vancouver's going to bounce back. They lost last game. They need to start piling up some points if they're going to creep back into that playoff contention. Sharks, Coyotes, this is a tough one. I'm going to take the Sharks. It's one of those games that no one will ever talk about, but I am. I'm taking the Sharks. Golden Knights over the crack, and there you go. I'm, I'm doing four or six. I'm going to hedge my bets. Four of those six will win, Tim. We'll check back in on Friday, and you can crown me the betting king of dropping the gloves. All right, everybody. Well, take those bets for what it's worth. Go out have some fun. Get yourself some DoorDash. Go get some Manscaped. Clean yourself up. You filthy animal. And we will talk to you guys on Friday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.